0: So much has emerged, so many themes are coming together in the recent horrible mass shooting at the church near San Antonio, Texas, that I beg and implore you to stay with me during the length of this broadcast so that illumination can descend upon all of us. Things are in flux, information is in motion, everything is alleged, and every solution I present must be peaceful. But let us start. A mass casualty shooting near San Antonio, Texas, has left up to 27 people murdered and dozens more injured. This is Sutherland Springs, Texas. Multiple people have been taken to area hospitals. The gunman is dead after deputies cornered him about a half dozen miles from the church. The man arrived in body armor, dressed in black, entered the church and began gunning down people left, right, and center. A witness has described watching his neighbor engage the shooter with a gun. This is local man Stephen Williford. He managed to shoot the mass murderer in between chinks in his body armor. Smog-style kill shot, it has been claimed. The suspect fled the scene following the shooting with the neighbor. His name is Devin Kelly. He then dropped his Ruger AR-15 rifle and got in his car to flee. The resident who had engaged and pursued him until it crashed. Police found Kelly dead inside his vehicle. It is um, not entirely clear at the moment if he shot himself or if he bled out from the shot through the chink in the body armor. And of the victims, two died outside... The church, more than two dozen died inside the church, and one died after being transported to a hospital. The deceased deceased have ranged in ages from five years old to 72 years old. There are about 50 people regularly in the small church for Sunday morning services. One mother died saving children's lives, she shoved one to the ground and shielded others' bodies. Her name was Joan Ward. She was, of course, at the First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs with her kids when David, when Devin Patrick Kelly entered with an assault rifle. The 26-year-old shooter began shooting at the innocent worshippers. Joanne reportedly pushed her 9-year-old daughter, Rehanna Garza, to the floor. She then covered her 5-year-old daughter, Brooke Ward, her seven-year-old daughter, Emily Garza, and son, Ryland Ward, also five, shielding them from the flying bullets with her own maternal body. She did her very best. She, I assume, hugged and held them. But as the bullets from the evildoer flew through the church, Both the mother and her little girl, Brooke, were slaughtered at the scene of the massacre. The man who did the shooting was reported to be creepy, crazy, a weird outcast who incessantly, intrusively and abrasively preached his atheism Online, He was also reported to be a volunteer at a Sunday school children's educational environment, and Lord knows what he taught those minds. The shooter lived for quite a long time on a property valued at about $800,000 in New Braunfels, Texas. Uh, this is a property owned by his parents and that is a rural suburb of San Antonio, about 35 35 miles north of Sutherland Springs. This is a pretty secluded home. It's on almost 30 acres of wooded farmland, and the gap between the nearest main road and the house is a very long private driveway, and the shooter lived in a barn behind the 3,700-square-foot home, And uh, he had been previously married, divorced, I believe, in 2012. He had uh, his uh, current wife and two-year-old son. And they said that the family had lived there for more than a decade. So the shooter was married, divorced, I guess married again, and lived in a barn. The neighbors said that they had heard rapid fire gunfire, 10 or 11 o'clock at night coming from the rear of the house. Former classmates of the shooter said he thought that Christians were stupid, that he was an outcast and, of course, an atheist. They said that he was an outcast but not a loner, that he was fairly popular among the other outcasts. So one classmate said he was always talking about how people who believe in God were stupid and trying to preach his atheism. That was from a post on Facebook. And she, of course, was shocked, as everyone says or claims to be, when she found out that the man was the killer. She said, I legit just deleted him off my Facebook because I couldn't stand his post. So after carrying out the worst church shooting in U.S. history, Kelly, of course, was shot by the resident of Sutherland Springs and fled the scene. And there were more than one resident who pursued The shooter, as he fled from the church and crashed a few miles later, after discovering his body, police also discovered multiple weapons and possible explosives inside his SUV. That's according to the Daily Mail. He was in the military. He was court-martialed in 2012 for domestic violence against his wife and child. He was given a bad conduct discharge from the Air Force in 2013. What this meant, it appears, is that he was not able to legally own or purchase guns. Because he was convicted of misdemeanor domestic violence, it is grounds for the loss of his gun rights. He also was confined or jailed in the military for 12 months, which is quite a harsh and strong punishment in that environment. So, for all the people out there, you're, oh, gun control, let's have gun control. Um, Gun control would actually have resulted in more murders, likely, or the gunman getting away. The fact that a man or men had guns and were willing to engage. The shooter is what ended the massacre and what caused him to flee. The man who shot him through the chink in his body armor, was reportedly an excellent shot. So his gun control, fortunately, was a steady hand. So for everybody crying out for more gun control, it was... The only gun control, of course, appears to be that a lot of churches in Texas and other places are gun-free zones, which is known as a boxed-in kill zone by psychopaths with weapons. According to... People who knew him, the shooter, at the time, his, quote, his parents had him on high doses of psych meds from 6th to ninth grade, the time I knew him. This is a student who only wants to be identified as the name Reed. These psych meds are brutal. There are millions and millions of children on these psych meds. uh, At the moment, many of them five and under in age and we have a system that is driving children and boys mad crazy, twitchy, lack of focus we don't review the system we don't try and change the system we don't improve the system we drug them which is a Soviet style response if you can't fit into communism well clearly you're mentally ill and need to be drugged and we are drugging children rather than fixing our system How many problems in society would be alleviated if we simply loved our children more? If we really loved our children, would we put them in these terrible schools? If we really loved our children, would we drug them for failing to conform to these terrible schools? If if, If we loved our children, would we allow them to sign up for tens of thousands of dollars in student debt to be indoctrinated into hating the only system that gives them the possibility of success, the free market? System. If we really loved our children, could we possibly use them as collateral to borrow and bribe voters into greed and passivity in the here and now? Would there be any such thing as a national debt if we really loved our children? There is uh, other indications among the students on Facebook. They say that Kelly uh, may have had a volatile relationship with his parents. One student said Kelly used to tell her about, you know, the issues that he had with his dad. Another said that they watched Kelly verbally abuse his parents. Kelly was a member of his high school's football team, which doesn't exactly fit in with the bitter loner stereotype. One student said Kelly's father would go, quote, crazy, end quote, if Kelly messed up on the field. So we have a high-pressure, verbally abusive environment. So we'll talk about causes a little bit. Um, It seems to me always a little suspicious that the police do not release the shooter's name until social media companies have the chance to scrub his presence from their sites. This strikes me as uh, not helpful in helping to determine motive. And what that usually means is the motive is something that those in power don't want you to know about. So let's just zoom out a little bit, talk about some of the bigger picture. There's over 130 mass shootings in the U.S., going back over the last 50-plus years, none of the shooters, not one of the mass-murdering, psychopathic, evil, monstrous shooters, not one of them, were known to be members of the National Rifle Association. So this idea that the somehow the NRA is supporting or enabling or even tangentially responsible for these shooters goes directly against the facts. Now, if you do want to look up How many assassins and murderers are on the left? Well, that is another matter. I will leave you to do that research yourself. It is enormously instructive. Now, mass shootings are on the rise. Your perception is valid. And this is going back a couple of years, a 2014 Harvard study. From 1982 to 2011, on average, mass shooting incidents, that's four or more people murdered by firearms in one incident, occurred every 200 days. That's up to 2011. Since 2011, we've we've been going upwards in the prevalence. So instead of it being every 200 days, there's a mass shooting incidence every 64 days on average. Now, with the usual caveat that correlation is not causation, what else has happened over that time period since the 80s to now? Well, one thing that's happened is American society has become more secular. 2016 Gallup tracking poll on religions. In America, three-quarters of Americans still describe themselves as Christian, but uh, 18% or so say they are atheist or agnostic. This is the highest since 2008, when this daily tracking poll started through Gallup. And the relationship between atheism slash leftism. First of all, there is a very strong relationship between atheism and leftism, uh, being a Democrat. If you are an atheist, you are far, far more likely to be on the left than on the right. And yes, I know, you may be an atheist on the right, you may be an atheist Republican, and you can talk all you want in the comments below. But that simply indicates your mathematical and logical illiteracy, which means you have no right to be an atheist. If you claim to be logical and think that by being an exception, you somehow disprove The general rule or trend. So please don't bother wasting everyone's time with your mindless chatterbox, empty-headed typing. Thank you. There is a relationship between atheism and leftism, and it is a very strong relationship. More than you are more you are dozens of times sometimes more likely to be, on the left if you are an atheist. And there is a relationship between atheism, leftism, totalitarianism, and the extermination of Christians and Buddhists. When Atheist leftists get to power, they target religions and slaughter very often. Then, look at the countries where atheists had a program of exterminating, say, Christians and Buddhists, and these are just about the worst mass killers in human history. You've got Stalin, Mao, Pol Pot, and so on. The atheist communist regimes in the 20th century slaughtered more than 100 million people. I have seen estimates as high as a quarter of. billion. So atheism and the mass murder of people is something that needs to be addressed by the left, by the atheists of good faith and uh, a devotion to reason and evidence and virtue. It is a relationship. No, it's not just that Hitler and Stalin had mustaches. It is more than that. Christianity, according to many studies, serves as an antidote or barrier against crime. There's a study where crime and religious affiliation data were studied from 182 counties in California, New York, and Texas. And the findings were fairly clear. If more residents belonged to Christian congregations or were regular churchgoers, violence decreased significantly among both black and white communities. More churchgoers, less violence. Communities with higher percentages of evangelicals had lower rates of white violence and Latino violence was significantly reduced if a large proportion of active Catholics resided in a particular community. In communities where there were significant numbers of black active church attendees, black violence decreased substantially. If you are an adolescent and religious, then... Religiosity is associated with a decreased likelihood of uh, group fighting, violent attacks and violence in general, fighting in general. This is in the United States. Those who are religious have lower incidence of alcohol, cigarette, marijuana consumption. This is uh, across their life. And, of course, lower frequent and less use of alcohol and cigarettes in adolescence. Uh, This is true for Americans with Mexican heritage as well. Judeo-Christian religions have been well-established to have positive impacts on suicide prevention, stress, depression, and happiness. And if you are religious in the Judeo-Christian, and in this case, in particular, the Christian tradition, you tend to be happier. You're more content with life. And you're more resilient and you're more likely to get married and stay married and you're less likely to exhibit aggressive and antisocial behaviors. Now, again, correlation causation, not particularly important at the moment because there is a dose dependency and very specific stimulation of positive social attitudes for Christians. Now, If we look at the data file of the General Social Survey for the years 1972 to 2008, in particular for women. Women are enormously unhappy in the modern West. This is one of the reasons why they're voting for just about every kind of change that they can think of. I think it's, what is it, a quarter of American middle-aged women are on antidepressants. As feminism has expanded, female misery has expanded. And in particular... This data from 1972 to 1978 strongly indicates that the increasing misery among women is attributable to the drop in church attendance over that period. Church attendance for women acts as a mechanism that protects them against uh, unhappiness, uh, depression, anxiety, and so on. we, We can't just be mere machines of meat. We must have meaning. We must have transcendence. We must have something higher, we we cannot, to be happy, encapsulate and encase encase the glory of our consciousness and the wonder and miraculous potential that we possess, we cannot simply encase it in mere neurotransmitters, electricity, and cell storms of pseudo-self-awareness. We must have free will, we must have a conscience, we must have virtue, we must have something to strive for, more than our next meal and our next screw. There is a consistent profile among mass shooters. Abusive upbringings, failed marriages, depressed, constantly feeling rejected, loners. How does religion help with these? How does Christianity help with these? Well, if you had an abusive upbringing, then Christianity can help with that. There can be a devil that you can identify. There can be an evil temptation within yourself that is not part of some social structure. God save me from the demonic hyperbole of structural violence. The evil that we are capable of is within us and it is identified in Christianity with the devil and his temptations. And it is an inner battle. You cannot externalize and murder Satan in the Christian theology. You can't because Satan is within. And if you have evil impulses, you must deal with them within. There is no external acting out that will kill or paralyze the devil. It is an inner spiritual battle for which you gain companions. You gain comfort. You gain conversation about something important. God alive, we are asphyxiating in an arid, spatial, interstellar emptiness of conversation. If you are merely man-meat pursuing its next dopamine rush, what do you have to talk about that has meaning in depth? If you go to church, you are there talking about important issues with other like-minded people who care about truth, who care about concepts, who care about abstracts, who care about virtue, and who are fully aware of the demonic capacity of the human mind to turn to shame, rejection, projection, and evil. In the leftist mindset, in the secular mindset, for the most part, evil is identified as entirely absent from one group of people, whether it is race or class or whatever victimized group you can put your reality mote around. Evil is identified as the embodiment of an entire other group of people which provokes war, which provokes civil war, which provokes invasion, which provokes conflict. Evil is within, say the Christians. You must battle the devil in your own heart. The leftists say pure virtue is in one group. Absolute evil is in another group. Go to town, people. Christianity helps you find the right partner. It helps you get married. It helps you stay married. It gives you a sense of community, a real community, more than just a sense of community. A friend of mine whose father got brain cancer, and his father was an atheist his whole life, And uh, he had grown up in the church. This man, his father, he had grown up in the church. And when he got sick, his atheist friends did virtually nothing. And he moved back to the town of his birth and uh, the church of his childhood, the church of his adolescence, opened uh, opened up their arms and accepted him back into the fold and cared for him and brought him food and gave comfort and charity and kindness and succor to his family during a time of unbelievable trial and decay and misery. They forgave his absence and his hostility to the faith of his origins, opened up their hearts and their minds and their wallets and their time and their care and their concern. And made his inevitable passage from this mortal coil a thing of grace and gentility and surrounded him in kindness and stuffed him with lasagna. And I don't know that you're going to get that from your average semi-snarly leftist group of atheists who believe in determinism and class conflict. And no conscience. And a lot of them, a lot of them hate Christians. And that story has um, stuck with me. And I hope that by telling it, I give praise to the Christians and challenge the atheists to be damn well better. So I believe. That this shooting, yes, I know it was his first marriage in laws, is the church they went to, but we have a man who openly talked about his hatred of Christians, who attacked families, grandparents, parents, and children, who attacked them when they knelt in the shafting sunlight of their morning prayers. Who, I believe, drove to the church with what I can only describe as satanic hatred in his heart. Kicked in the door, saw the people thumbing through their songbooks, heard the sonorous tones of the preacher, talking about love, hope, charity, kindness. Pulled up his weapon, pointed it at the people who were dressed in their Sunday best, because that's how you dress for your own funeral, right? You don't want to be in the coffin in your Bermuda shorts. You dress up for your own funeral. And I'm sure that many of them turned in horror at the black-clad figure kicking in the door, pointing his gun at them, and they may have held up their Bibles and their psalms and their songbooks to shield them from the vacuous, empty, materialistic bullets flying their way. But the bullets are not stopped by the words. The bullets are not stopped by the pages. The hands, holding the holy books, were blasted away, shredded, fragmented, sprayed against the wall. And the man, it seems, stood over a mother, like a desperate maternal shield, covering her children, and pointed his gun down and repeatedly squeezed the trigger and blasted the gene pool into oblivion so yeah I believe this was an anti-christian terror attack, a hate crime and when you look at the cancerous twitter feeds of many leftists celebrating scorning saying if prayers did any good Why would they have died? They scorn. The Christians. They mock the death of Christians. There is a lot of anti-Christian bigotry on the left. Is anyone going to take this on? Anyone on the left? Anyone going to hold up that ugly mirror to the distorted socialist murderous mindset? There are some on the left who are itching to kill Christians. And... This has repeatedly played itself out throughout the history of the 20th century in particular. One of the great body blows against Christianity was the number of them that, who were murdered under leftist regimes. Just as a blow against Buddhism was the number who were murdered by leftist regimes. So we have this uh, atheist. Now, according to reports of his Facebook pages on a number of sites. Sorry, uh, he, um, he liked a number of atheist groups. He was also a big fan of CNN. And was he radicalized by the mainstream media? I don't know. There's a reason why these motives are not coming out. But if we look at the shootings that have happened recently, and the attacks... Rand Paul, a senator who, still incomprehensibly mows his own lawn, Rand Paul is a deranged neighbor who's a Democrat, attacked Senator Rand Paul in his own home, leaving him with five broken ribs and a bruised lung. This is Rand Paul, who recently survived the leftist who shot up the Republican baseball game practice with the politicians. Who are the victims these days in a church? People gunned down. Republican baseball game, Christians gunned down. The victims in Vegas, Christians. What's happening in the Middle East targeting Christians? Come on. Can we not? Can we not just start calling things by their proper names? If this was an anti-Muslim bigot who went and shot up a mosque, if this was an anti-black racist who shot up a black gathering, the motive would be blared all across the landscape. It would be written in the sky above the social universe. But this appears to be anti-Christian. And therefore, in the leftist media, it will not exist as a motive. I saw tweets where people were saying, well, you... You can't talk about it being anti-Christian because that will give Christians a persecution complex, a crazy feeling that they're being targeted. Why? Because they're being targeted. Ah, but you see, if a Muslim jihadist shoots up a bunch of people, we have to put up giant imaginary walls against a giant imaginary backlash against Muslims as a whole. The Muslim community braces for backlash when a Muslim attacks. But if Christians are attacked, well, you wouldn't want to fuel a persecution complex among Christians. This will not end well. So, maybe, uh, I'm talking peacefully here, of course, but maybe, just maybe, it is time for Christian churches to stop being gun-free zones. You understand? There are the two poles in Christianity. Turn the other cheek versus an eye for an eye. I believe, as I was raised, a Christian and still strongly believe in its tenets, many of its tenets. I believe that turn the other cheek is for friends, for allies, for companions, for those who share foundational values. For those people, should they offend us, we turn the other cheek. Should somebody rail against us out of a bad habit, out of misinformation, out of having a bad day, and losing the daily fight to the devilish impulses that undermine all of our potential greatness. Then you turn the other cheek. You do not retaliate in kind to somebody who is acting unkindly as a deviation from a general norm and compatibility with your mind and your heart and your soul. Turn the other cheek is among erring friends, but among relentless enemies, escalating enemies among those who are dedicated to erasing your minds, hearts, and souls from the scrolls of history, among those whose ideology views you as a giant cathedral that stands between them and the political lusts they hunger for, the mere Darwinian evolutionary grabbing of power by any means necessary that characterizes the amoral world of mere material dominance and subjugation among those to whom your higher spiritual aspirations are as a delusion to be used to bind your eyes and walk you to a cliff edge. Among enemies, I do not believe. In turn the other cheek, I do not believe that when an enemy asks you for your shirt, Thus you should also give him your cloak. Among your enemies I do not believe that if a man asks you to walk a mile with him that you walk two miles to the destination which has been historically so often for Christians under the control of atheists. A gulag, a concentration camp, or a shallow grave. Among friends, yes. Turn the other cheek. Among enemies, I believe, the verse that should be more closely studied and peacefully studied is an eye for an eye.